in the day-to-day life of parenting and toddler tantrums, mm-hmm. it's a constant checking back in. It's a constant checking back in. We get so caught up during the day of like the pour out, the pour out, the pour out, the pour out. But the truth is we're better off as mothers. If you're a father listening, we're better off as parents, as caretakers, when we take moments to check back in. Okay, you're feeling really angry. Well, where are you feeling that in the body? And where does that want to come out? And can we put in a song and move to it? It could be going for a walk and just connecting back with nature allowing the pace of the walk to be decided on how my body feels today like not pushing i think that's really what it's about for me and how it's changed my life not pushing and everything that that means not pushing in my business not pushing in my marriage not pushing in my parenting not pushing in any of it and, and allowing things to be and uncover and slow down I'm Bianca Liamora, and this is Help Me See. This podcast is devoted to the itch you cannot scratch, the fire in your belly, and the forever quest of seeing the deeper meaning of this life we're living. We meet at the intersection of art, self-discovery, beauty, pain, memory, nostalgia, and consciousness. Yeah, it's a pretty busy intersection. I believe your photographic practice is a portal of presence and revelation that connects it all. I'm a photographic artist myself, an NLP coach, a mama, an HSB, an introvert, a dog-obsessed person with an unquenchable thirst for a vision and not missing my life. This podcast is for the conscious creators in life and art and business. The conversations we have here are committed to honoring the wholeness of life and exploring how to bridge that gap between your distinct vision and your intentional life. We use photographic practice to light the way, whether or not you consider yourself a professional. I hope this podcast feels like a safe place to land and feel less alone, a place to get wildly inspired, and most of all, a place that always reminds you of your own distinct personal power. Let's dive in. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Help Me See. I've been moving and grooving, guys. (laughs) Uh, I've really been enjoying connecting with people in my community. I've been engaging more. I've gone to a woman's circle. I've, I've really been playing in the waters of like exploring, dedicating some time to stuff outside of my work because I think I've gone too deep. I think not too deep, but like, you know, I think I've gone, I'm so obsessed and like deeply in the waters of like wanting to be in this work and share and create that it's hard to see right now. So it's no surprise that I've been um, working with our other modalities and, you know, really practicing tapping into my subconscious and, you know, what's running the show underneath, like what's in my conscious brain with my NLP work. Um, but also I've been exploring other things like sound baths. And today on the show, we have, um, just an amazing individual, Elena Williamson, who is a, she's in somatic embodiment and sacred movement. She has, um, 
she has founded let me let me get the exact words here i'm on her website here the somatic movement method and she here let me read her actually her about me little blurb right here she's a somatic embodiment mentor and sacred movement instructor ushering through sacred space for powerful women to heal rise and free themselves from past trauma is her gift holding space to embody their truth and reclaim their divine spark is her mission so um elena and i really dive deep in this conversation around how she has found her way to this work about somatics, about uh, her belief that trauma resides in their physical body, in our physical body. Um, And also before I move on, I just want to say that there is a trigger warning on this. We touch on um, some topics that could be highly sensitive for people. It's around uh, abuse and, you know, her personal history with some stuff. And also the fact that during her thesis, she worked with dancers who kind of channeled some traumatic experiences through their art and through their dance and performance. So uh, if that's something that you just don't feel like you have the capacity to dive into today, um, feel free to skip obviously, or come back to at another time when you have the space to do so. Um, anyway, so something that I wanted to touch on before we dive into, uh, this conversation with Elena is this idea of pulling out of the depths of where we are in order to be able to see more and really trying to give myself some more breathing space (laughs) to understand um, maybe a little bit more about what's going on because what's going on in one area uh, oftentimes echoes through other areas that we could find insight. I'm laughing because last night I, and literally like my whole day was consumed with making effing dinner and pisses me off because I'm not, I don't love cooking. Uh, I don't hate it, but I don't love it. Um, and I thought I was being resourceful with my uh, concoction that I was making, but it ended up that I was missing a key component. So then I had to go and get the, get the piece of the recipe before I was able to finish it. Ugh, ugh, so annoyed, but also as I got in the car and I was backing out to go into the grocery store, I was like, you know what? (laughs) This is so weird, but I felt like, I think I'm more agitated because that's the role that I usually play with this. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, uh, I usually am so frustrated because I could be doing other things right now, but I'm like, I, I recognize that in my brain, that was the story I was like in, but in my body, I wasn't actually feeling that. It was really weird. I was like, oh man, this is so annoying. I have to get in this fucking car and go pick up sauce and blah, blah, blah. And I have to go out of the way here. But I was like, wait a minute. In my body, I'm not feeling inflamed or enraged or annoyed. I'm kind of like at peace right now. This is really weird. Um, and this, this is a perfect entry point into this conversation because, you know, oftentimes what cognitively is making sense for us or the reasons why we think X, Y, and Z um, could be outdated stories and what's true for our bodies or is something different. And um, 
that is actually what uh, Alina specializes in and helping us tap into uh, how to channel that um, throughout our day and tap into ourselves throughout our day. And um, we start off our convo in a true mama vent sesh. So if you're looking to feel less alone in sludging through motherhood at the moment, then this'll, this'll feel good for you. (laughs) She had a gnarly day before we started chatting and I probably had the same, who knows? I don't remember at this point, but um, yeah, it's, it's just a bunch of real talk and integrating, uh, just how to align ourselves and be open to space, spaciousness in how we process and just another form of that. You know, with this NLP work, it's funny because oh, it is such an incredible tool, but it's only one tool. I mean, it's a massive tool if you ask me, <laughs> and deeply important But there's another part of the conversation that I want to honor. And it's that, you know, a lot of this work is like tapping into that subconscious and like introducing our conscious thought to what's going on inside. Uh, But that's also, it works with some things, but also in other areas, we could need another form of processing. And that's where... um, all of these somatics and these uh, other methods of like tapping and, you know, uh, what Elena calls the somatic movement method. And um, I had a Malia Rose on the show uh, a few episodes ago, and she specializes in all of these different uh, somatic practices of like breath work and, you know, X, Y, Z. These are also really crucial if we're feeling a gap in being resourced to connect to uh, healing in different forms. So, I just love giving a platform to to people that are doing work on all of these fronts. And something that has been really big and true for me in my journey of connecting back to self and like just finding different ways is letting myself not be committed to one form as an answer. Um, My main connection to self and processing is the photographic medium is photographic practice. It is my favorite. It is, I can eat it. (laughs) I I consume it. I digest it. I shit it out. (laughs) I breathe it. I mean, oh my God, I've, I've hit a new level of intimacy with you, dear listener. (laughs) Like this, it's what I, it's in my bones. It's in every part of me, my photographic practice. Um, but I love giving breath to the different forms that it can take in, in yoga, in dance, in breath work, and, um, putting a spotlight on different practitioners is something that I'm really, really, really loving and drawing parallels between, uh, photographic practice and, uh, you know, the movement of the body and the breath and the yoga and the this and the that is is really thrilling to me. So yeah, I hope that this this episode uh feels energizing to you and you know helps you feel seen and less alone and yada yada. And yeah, that's it. I won't delay it any further. I, I have more stuff that I want to say, but I think I'm going to save it for the next episode because um 
I don't want to distract from this conversation and it's a, it's a lengthy one here and we really get into it and talking about all the things. So without further ado, here is Elena. If you connect with this, if you feel like this is super helpful or refreshingly real, feel free to send it to someone that you think could benefit from feeling seen in, in this way. And if these episodes have served you well, uh, one of the greatest gifts you can give me is connecting and reaching out and saying hi (laughs) or um, leaving a review uh, in the podcast app because leaving a review somehow helps the algorithm and it helps share with other like-minded souls that might be craving this type of support and content. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for spending your time listening and tuning in. And um, yeah, it really means the world. So here you go. This is Alina Williamson and any other information that is mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes. Enjoy. Okay. How are you? Today was one of the hardest days of parenting in my life. Okay. <laughs> tell me so more. that's how I am. How are you? Tell me more. Or don't tell me more. Whatever it feels best for you. Yes, my... It's just like, I was thinking about this all today and I didn't kind of know the direction you wanted to go with this, but I figured it was kind of natural and full on its own. But it's like the importance of artists to still create and motherhood oftentimes feels suffocating. And I feel like nobody talks about this. Like motherhood with littles in the season of littles and we are both in like that same, very similar age group. Yeah, two boys. suffocating mm-hmm. and I feel like artists need even more like it's more easy for us to be touched out it's easier for us to be overstimulated because we are so much more sensitive mm-hmm. and we need that creative outlet we're used to working on our own because when we're in creation we're working on our own you know and like that I never realized how much I valued alone time until I had kids I said that quote I mean, I guess I, I feel like I knew how much I loved it, but I didn't realize how much of a life force it was for me. Or how much, exactly, because I keep getting this visualization of like, I feel like I'm in this season where I have like two weights on my feet and I'm being pulled underwater and I'm just like <gasps> getting grasped, like the breaths of air, like the alone time. <laughs> yeah. And then the sh- the the guilt and the shame of like, when you do have time those times when you do have time if you can't immediately drop into your flow which of course like it takes time it takes space to disconnect so it's, it's like, like a forced flow I, it's like a what it's like a forced flow yeah you're like okay time <laughs> make this happen and like the pressure anything that i advise with like connecting to your flow in terms of like your photo practice at least specifically is like Where's the pressure? Remove it. Remove the pressure. Where's the pressure? How can we remove it? And um, yeah, it's just, it's it's really hard. Especially, I just used the word touched out today or yesterday. I don't know. It's all blurring together. But I'm just like, oh, ah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so much. It is just so much, and. I find myself like counting down the days of like when 
my four-year-old is going back to pre-K to have more of that structure in place, to have more of a break, to be looking forward to the reprieve. And then on top of it, like my kids get up so early. He's my first has been getting up since like between five and six in the morning, his whole entire life. Oh my word. So now his new thing is to wake up the 17 month old that sleeps well. So like 5.45 in the morning, it's a chaotic. And like when you start your day like that, it's really hard. And then for a four-year-old who's obviously sleep is important to everyone, but for kids even more so, like overtired constantly. It's just like it starts the day off like total crap. Yeah, like in a deficit. Mm -hmm. No, I've tried to like get ahead of it. And even though it's so painful, sometimes I'll try to like set my alarm for like 5 or 5.30. My kid usually wakes up around like, from 6 30 to 7 or so but um because even if I'm in pain tired that quietness is so important but like there I'll I'll have a little streak or I'll do it for a couple days I'm like this hurts but it's it's what I need and then all of a sudden like I'm in the season right now like I cannot I am so tired I can't do it you're so tired and I'm the same way like that morning time I forget what I where I heard this from someone called it I'm thinking of the magic dark, but that's also something that's considered like um, right when your manifestation is coming, but it's something to do with like the morning and the darkness and that quiet. I was committed so long to getting up at five and then I had my second baby and now I haven't been as consistent with it, but I've never regretted getting up. Not one time that I've done it, even when I've been death tired. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, for me, it's those three things to get in, like move my body, meditate and write, like writing out stream of consciousness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you just feel so much better. And when I have to like wait until the afternoon to do that, it just feels like I'm, I'm like trying to fill up a tank that's already so depleted and depleted isn't even the right word. Like I feel like I've been overtired for four years. How do you fix that? (laughs) Yeah. 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 Because Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you can't, and it's not even like you can stockpile sleep, like, oh, I have I've got extra hours I didn't need, and now I can count them toward. No, you're just. Yeah. <laughs> and my husband will be like, well, you had a great weekend where you got two naps. I'm like, do you think two oh, naps man. is going to fix the sleep deprivation? And it's even been more than four years because my first is he turned four in March. And, you know, you don't get good sleep in the, that last trimester of pregnancy. It's been since then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my my kid turns five tomorrow, and I'm like, for half a decade, I've been doing this. This is weird. Like, I feel so weird, and it's like that psychotic, like, morning of like, oh, baby, and then also like myself. Like, who was I like five, six years ago? What? Like, it's the craziest thing, and it's it's so hard because I'm also in the I think artist and people with higher sensitivity thresholds. I mean, all mothers, I I feel like struggle with this is that like tension between being just honest with themselves about how much it can fucking suck and how hard it is and how it's not all enjoyable. And also the same time, the pain of knowing how fleeting it is and like knowing when you're, even when you're owning like, this is hard. Fuck this. I know that this is fleeting. It still sucks. It doesn't make it any better. Um, it just makes it harder because I understand how important it is to 
So it's like this weird um, and both in like a really painful way. But I also think that that's kind of beautiful too, to be able to see it and feel it like such extreme opposites. I, I, I've decided that like a while ago I, and I'm sticking to it. If I could take motherhood down to one word, it's dichotomy. It's extreme. I literally, that was the word that I was thinking when you're saying that. Really? And even when you have moments like today where I yelled and I felt you feel bad about it. And then they're sleeping. And like, I literally went around and did like Reiki to them <laughs> and like hands on healing and like <laughs> sending love to them because I know I've read so many articles and studies. I know how important this informative years are. And you're so scared of fucking it up. You're mm-hmm. so scared of fucking it up all the time. But it also is like the stepping down and like our generation is the one that's breaking that of being allowed to say loudly, like, this sucks. And I also love it. And I hate it too. Mm-hmm. And being okay with that. Like, it's okay to not love every part of it. And the added crazy complexity of conscious parenting. Ugh. It, I mean, to have that level pressure. of... It's a lot of pressure. Awareness. There are times where I'm like, I go, I want to say something and I, it feels like this is, this is an opportunity. This is a moment. I'm like, I don't even know. I don't even have the verbiage because I was never talked to like this. And I know what I don't want to say. I know what the impulse is to say. I know I don't like that, but I don't even know what to say. So I'll just be like, and I'll just not say anything. I'll just take a breath. And I'm like, we'll talk about this later. I just, I don't even know what to say. Because that's better than responding from triggers, which is what the season that I am in right now. It's like, I feel the trigger internally coming out of me yeah. and to try to slow it down. And yeah. like in the after fact, like I'm just the kind of person I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm super open. I'm super honest. I've always been like that. I'm very confrontational, not in a way where like, I'm going to pick a fight, but like, if there's an elephant in the room, I'm calling it out. I've always yeah. been that way. Yeah. And it's hard for me to like slow down that train. And I wish I would have more moments of silence and pause and even today, when I tried to take a pause and like exit myself in the bathroom for a moment, my four-year-old's banging on the door, screaming for me. So it's like, you can't even get away from it. No. You can't even get away from it. And just suffocating is what I feel like in this season. Suffocating. Mm-hmm. I love them so much. I would die for them. And also, I'm suffocating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like to even have any, I've become so giving myself so much grace in this season for any type of artistry that I'm able to create because it is so hard to do anything. And the pain of that is so hard because it's also like, it's like, it's a different baby. It's its own, like it's, a thing that needs nurturing a very intimate thing and to not be able to give that attention. There's also, I was just saying this to someone. It's like, it's not, I think it's oftentimes it's misdiagnosed as like, Oh, I didn't feel like I was productive enough or I didn't get enough done. I think that there's a, a, a very aware side of me. That's like, I know that's not it. I know how to be like a, a, you know, okay in the season of like 
of course I can't get as much done as I want to. It's not that. And the other day I was able to put my finger on it. It's this feeling of when your enthusiasm and motivation around like your create creative, whatever birth flow, whatever is not being able to be fully expressed or exhausted. So when you're, you keep having to stop and put it on hold and that enthusiasm, it's like a caged animal. Um, it's really, it's really, 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 really hard. That's a hundred percent. I just got out of a season where I was struggling for the first time with postpartum rage Mm -hmm. and I've paralleled it to not being able to create. When I'm back in the studio and I'm teaching, I'm creating work and I'm writing and I've had an urge to go back and painting like and trying to follow those urges. When I don't have that, it's like this, it's, it's like this fire that is nowhere to go but out and it's going to come out of somebody. (laughs) And for me, it comes out as like this overwhelming anger and it's the anger And it's not to be like me sitting down in silence and finding this in myself, you know, and internal reflection and a lot of deep work, Mm -hmm. but it's this anger of not being able to create Mm -hmm. and give attention to. And that's what makes me me, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think it's so easy to get lost in motherhood, even though we don't want to, or even though we never told ourselves we would. It's so easy to get swept up in it mm-hmm. and have it consume everything. It's like a wildfire. <laughs> it really, really, really is. Um, and especially you and I, because we're, I'm just going to say it like boys are fucking hard. They're really hard. <laughs> we're boy moms. It's a different beast. I have friends who they have girls and they're, they're like, oh, she got upset today. Uh, that was after she colored for three hours. I'm like, that must be nice. I know. <laughs> I know. for 10 seconds and then eats a crayon. And then I... the other one sneaks a crayon and colors on the wall. <laughs> it's just a different... I have a drawing to the right. It's too dark to see in my basement on the wall that looks oddly like a penis. I don't know yeah, why. Because they have to write. They have to, you know, do their male stamp around. I guess. <laughs> Mark the territory. <laughs> yeah, I am... Um... I was really trying to hesitate, or well, I mean, to let go, but hesitate the stereotype of it. But after witnessing a lot of my friends' children, I'm like, not different. It's different. <laughs> so different. So different. And back to like conscious parenting and being an artist and in tune and trying to raise these, what feels like oftentimes animals, when trying to re- raise them to be like good humans, good men. And also have respect for the fact that they're their own people. It's like, that's a, that's a new one for me recently. And is like really trying to grasp this idea of we're, we're a guide for them. We don't own them, you know, like that is, I mean, I grew up under a super classic, stereotypical, overprotective Italian, New York father. Like I am, you know, (laughs) sheltered worry ward the whole thing like and eh, yeah it's just like this idea that trying to raise them also doesn't mean you know making them a certain way it's really hard it's just really hard it's really 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 hard and 
like the fine line between like teaching respect and teaching like ownership without stifling. Like so many times I have to tell myself because I growing up, my sparkle was dulled a lot and I fought against it oftentimes. And my four-year-old, he's got a lot of sparkle and literally I'm trying so hard not to dull his sparkle. But he also is like a prosecutor in the way that he argues with me all day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just like he's so strong-willed and I know it will serve me. It's just so hard right now yeah, to, yeah. to come up against that. It's like, yeah. can you just stop arguing with me about the ketchup? Like, just stop. <laughs> just stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So the thing that I wanted to talk to you about specifically, which flows very, of course, so naturally from this conversation is this idea of, so recently I've, I've been doing a lot of NLP work. I just got certified in NLP and I've Congratulations. thank you. I, yeah, it's, it's the, the biggest curveball in my life because I had no plans on I didn't even know what it was really that much before I enrolled in the certification. I only did it because I was being coached by someone and I was like, why do I feel so good in her presence? And so like specifically like empowered. And also I just feel, I don't know, it was this feeling. And when I found out it was NLP, I took her certification, blah, blah, blah. But even during the certification, I was doing it under the, under the thought that I'm not going to actually practice this. I just, this feels so good. And I want to know more about why I feel so good at this. And then after, you know, completing all the practice rounds and all that, I was like, I just fell in love with the process. And, you know, anyway, so i really, really love that. And what I find even more fascinating now is even though it has done, I mean, it's served me very well so far. There's something that happens that, okay. So you make this discovery you uncover something unconsciously and you know better. Mm-hmm. You see it now, but it's still in you. So I find that putting your finger on, being able to name something is so relieving, more relieving than I want it to be. Honestly, I'm like, oh, do I really need, I needed just a label for that? Yes. But sometimes Sometimes it does feel like that's all I need. And other times I feel like it's simply, it's only part of it. Can you talk more about or talk about your experience with somatics and just your journey? And I'll be sure to um, intro before with like um, your about you and whatever. So whatever you want to share here is fine, but whatever we miss, I'll talk about it before. But um, yeah, I just, I'm, I did a session with you and it was so beautiful and it was so lovely. And I, I can only imagine how doing more and more of that, like what that would be able to do for a person. Um, I just want to learn more about how you found yourself in this work, what your take is on that. Because I find that especially with like people, like like like-minded people, this idea of, but I know better. Why is this keep, why is this still in me like this? I know better. What is that? Well, honestly, I always think it comes back to trauma and people don't like to hear this. Because they're always like, I don't have trauma. I'm like, everyone has trauma. 
everyone's trauma, irregardless of if you label it little T trauma or big T trauma, the brain processes and stores it the same in the body. I mean, obviously it's going to store it a little bit different in everyone's bodies. But when I look at a somatic practice of any kind, I'm looking at it like it's getting you back to a state of embodiment. And when I look at embodiment, like true embodiment, our children are perfect examples of this. They are true embodiment. They feel emotions. They show emotions. They're completely present. They don't have like things blocking them from being that until it's taught by society or they experience traumatic events like we did in childhood when we were told not to feel our feelings. And it's why we feel triggered <laughs> with our children. By their freedom. <laughs> <laughs> and their freedom and being their sparkle adult. All of these things. But for me, it's like, I when I was born, I just, I was so embodied. And that stayed with me for a really long time. And I fought, I fought to hold on to it as long as I could. Until I got into the Catholic church and I had to go to Catholic school, kindergarten through 12. And that kind of dampered a lot out of me. And then I fought to get that back when I moved to New York. So big Catholic upbringing helped me with a moral compass. But for the rest, not so great. (laughs) Not so great of the other things it taught me. And I had a, a lot of trauma growing up. I experienced sexual abuse when I was in first grade from a peer. My dad died at a very young age when I was 17 of cancer. My mom separated from him when I was only eight weeks old. So just a lot of like trauma that I have now gone back and uncovered and have been able to heal. And that's the beauty of the somatic work. And for me, it kind of didn't all click in. Until after I was like in New York dancing for 10 years, went to get my master's. When you do your master's in dance and specifics, you're doing like a culmination piece at the end of it. And it's called your thesis concert. And it has to be like an evening length of work. Mine was like 27 minutes. You're writing a dissertation paper with it. And you sit in front of a panel and you have to defend your work. And my work was the somatic movement method without me realizing it at the time. But I was working with these dancers through a traumatic event that happened to me. I was previously engaged to be married. Like six weeks before the wedding, he cheated on me. I found out about it. I left. Like I had to move states back into my parents' basement at like 32 years old. How embarrassing, right? (laughs) But blessing in disguise was like the best thing that ever happened for me. But in the moment, so incredibly traumatic when you think your life is going a certain way. Like I, I literally laid down thinking I was ever going to have kids because I was just like, well, now I'm 32. The gig is up, you know, <laughs> like I'd have to meet someone else again. The process of that, like, you know, da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. so I'm getting my master's and I was, I took that experience and was putting it to movement. I had a part where I like burned the wedding dress on camera. It was a very cathartic process for me. But I was realizing as I'm setting this work on them that they were portraying my story, but it needed to be their story. So I met with each of the dancers like one-on-one and we went through like something in their life that they looked at as a trauma and we put it to movement. We, I watched them move. Like they told me the story, the one that they wanted to share. Some one person was sexual abuse. Someone else was like um, feeling deformed from her scoliosis. So they all had different things they were bringing to the table, but it was all under the umbrella of 
female empowerment, body, like all that kind of stuff that we naturally struggle with as women. And I was viewing their bodies and seeing like where it was stored in the body, like picking three body parts that it was coming up through the movement. And then I was creating the movement around that. And they told me like through the process of like performing this, it was the most healing thing that they've ever been through. Like they, they were able to take something so traumatic and transmute it into something empowering. So at that time, I was like, well, I'm just a brilliant choreographer. You know, well, I already knew that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> be kind of really, really, really confident in this field, you know? Right. Um, so I just chopped it off thinking to like, oh, well, of course, I'm just choreographing in a different way. Not realizing that there was something really deep underneath. Right. Until I started my own business. I started out as a coach for moms, which is kind of funny looking back at it now. (laughs) I started out like coaching mom, MLM moms. And I like, I've never been like super high MLM person. Like, why am I coaching these people? You know, um, you're in a network market, network marketing, MLM, like multi-level marketing. Usually in that field, like if you want to be coached by someone, it's going to be someone that's like the top 1%. Well, that wasn't me. I was just like, I saw a niche and I was like, I'll pick this as a niche. Interesting enough, didn't work, (laughs) wasn't aligned for me. And as I was going along this entrepreneurship journey and allowing myself to really figure out what I wanted to do, I came back to dance time and time again. I came back to movement. It's always been such a big part of my life. And then developing the somatic movement method, which started out as a somatic dance method, and then I tweaked the name because people get freaked out when you say dance. <laughs> they automatically disqualify themselves. <laughs> uh-huh. That's when I was like, wow, that's what that's what like the foundation that I built through my thesis concert actually was. It was me developing this. And then through all this personal growth work that I was doing and working with different healers and diving into like somatics in a kind of more spiritual aspect. That's how I started framing everything and piecing it all together into this method. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. I wonder if, I really wonder if a lot of people, because I, my thesis work that I did in college, like everything I do is an iteration of that, I find. And I wonder if it happens for a lot of people or not. I don't know. It's so fascinating when you can see, like, I'll be working on something like, oh, this is, this is totally new for me. And then I'm like, oh, nope, just did it again. Same thing. <laughs> just another iteration. I think when it's something like your thesis, it's such a, a body of work that is you. So mm-hmm. it would make sense that anything could be an extension off of that. Like my thesis concert was called The Feminization of Madness. And I was playing with like all these constructs that were put on women to be like thin, the homemaker the sexual object, like all these things. And I was literally like breaking the fifth wall on stage, making people super fucking uncomfortable in the audience, which was awesome. (laughs) And then just like transforming their opinion about it to a place where the dancers were taking the power back. Right. And like, that's always going to be something that's part of me in terms of just believing that Women are badasses, you know, like the things that we can do that we are designed to do specifically as being a woman. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. 
and taking ownership of that and being proud of that and being allowed to be empowered in that has only been a newer concept. When we look back at how long ago, you know, we weren't even supposed to have jobs, you know, it's just like people think like, oh, it's 2023, get with the times. It really hasn't been that long. (laughs) It really hasn't even been that long since we've had the right to vote. You know, it's, it's just like looking at it from that vantage point, I think really helps to make me feel like empowered and being a woman, but also the spiritual aspect that I'm in this time frame incarnated in this body for a specific reason. and like taking ownership of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So this is, it's like creating a new language right and it's like how so when you said let's let's go back i know i just threw my whole life story to you in like seven minutes (laughs) four minutes because i think i talk fast (laughs) (laughs) i know i'm like keep trying i was like don't forget that don't forget that but wait stay i want to hear what she's saying now (laughs) (laughs) well you have an italian dad you're used to being quick about that it's true. When you said that you met with the dancers individually and then you were like, and then I watched them and then you said something about like picking the parts of their body, depending on blah, 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 blah. Say more about that. Say more how you were able to identify that and really just explain a little bit more about how the somatic movement method, right? Mm-hmm. How, how it works in general and how that speaks to um, like processing emotions so when i was working with them and you know they're they're telling me their story and i was like okay they're literally 30 minutes they're telling me their the trauma that happened to them you know they've already been working with me for a couple months there's already trust there however i will say my thesis concert was two weeks out and i was changing the whole thing so as a dancer they were a bit panicked (laughs) but they trusted me a lot i just put on music that i felt was like an embodiment of what they were telling me. No, no lyrics because too easy to get attached to lyrics. Yep. And I was watching them and just writing out what I was seeing because I believe now with the lens that I have, tension in the body is unresolved trauma. Thing like I, I really believe that I could watch someone walk in a room and see in their body where they're holding on to trauma. Where they're holding on to trauma, whether it is like, for for instance, I'll give you an example. The one girl, it was her ears, her shoulders, and her stomach. And, her, and she had a sexual assault thing happen where she wouldn't have been sexual assaulted if she wouldn't have gone back to get her earrings. So it makes sense that the ears have become like a, a place of wanting to protect her shoulders like that tension of that and stomach. I mean... I'm very sacral. I feel like a lot of my womb space is like where it's affected, but just seeing that in the body and being able to release that the somatic movement method is bringing attention after, and you've been through it after we go through and I'm walking them through this deep uh, meditation, I would say like a deep meditation where you're connecting in with like your, your spirit, whether you believe in God or not, we all have a spirit. <laughs> and I believe that firmly. And I believe that the people that are attracted to this work believe that in some realm. We all have a spirit that is is here to teach us a lot of things. 
And I believe we have past lives. And I believe that a lot of this can store into the body. Some people hold trauma from past lives, but not to go too deep into that. So we're going into this deep meditative experience where I'm connecting them, their spirit, like mind, body, and spirit, let's say. And then from here, we're meeting up with our inner child and being led through a process where any past memory that is coming up, you're going to be able to gift yourself what you were not given in those moments. And the, what I love about this method is the people that I've worked with multiple times, you're never going to be given a memory that you're not ready to deal with. It's always going to be something that you are ready to deal with in that moment. For some people, it's something from high school. For someone that I worked with like four sessions, the last session, she was finally ready to deal with something from in utero. And that's like the furthest back I've ever been with anyone. But it's, it's beautiful because your intuition, your spirit, your, your mind, whatever you believe is guiding you there. And then we are connecting it to the body and where the tension is still stored to release it through movement. And then the last portion is like the deep reflection where we're allowing the analytical mind, which tends to be where people approach healing from. But I believe that's a very surface level to kind of tie the bow on it to have a better understanding. Similar to what you said with when you're able to label something in the unconscious from a conscious standpoint, that's where the healing, the the final touch of the healing can be, where I believe there's that deeper layer. Like sometimes you said, sometimes that analytical is enough. But, but oftentimes when it comes to trauma that's stored in our body, like say, say a horrible birthing experience, sometimes that's just not going to be enough. And we have to go in, in an, un, in a subconscious level to integrate healing and connect it back to the body. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Really? That was a lot of words. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it does make sense. And it, it, it's. And it, it makes sense on many levels, like just in art in general, like if you want to like a visual art situation, it doesn't matter how much you cognitively know, like skill wise, like at a certain point you have to surrender and feel yourself through whatever it is that you're trying to create. And there is no right or wrong. And, um, mm. and I love how it's funny because I, I really relate to when you said that you changed it from dance to movement because people are get really freaked out by dance. That's why I like to call it photographic practice, but I feel like I'm, maybe I'm even freaking people out even more because seeing photography, I feel like insinuates, oh, it's, I'm doing it for, you know, the art of it and I'm doing it for this or that. I, I use photographic practice because I want people to make the connection that it's literally like photographic practice is whatever snapshot you take on your phone or your fancy camera or whatever it is. It's just a practice. Um, so I try to to take that and really make it a little bit more um, approachable or graspable as well. Uh, have you found that people are, are able to connect with it better? I'm calling it a movement. thousand percent. Really? A thousand percent. Even able to try it where if dance would have been in the title, they'd be super turned off from it. Even yeah. at the, even when I facilitated at the retreat yeah. that you unfortunately were not able to be at, which I really wish you would have been. So many people were like, I do not have any interest in doing anything dance related. 
I don't know what you're doing tomorrow, but I don't even want to be there. And I'm like, thanks for like making me feel so confident. (laughs) And then after they experienced it, they were like, well, that wasn't at all what I thought it would be. And that's when I started coming back to like the drawing board of this needs to have a different name. So it's more approachable to people. Yeah. Because even somatic, people were like, what's somatics? And somatics is becoming like a very buzzword. It is. But I think it's also very misdefined Mm -hmm. and misaligned. (laughs) And it's simple in that our body stores a lot of wisdom. And when we are getting in touch with our body from a mind-body connection, we're able to heal. Mm -hmm. It's that simple. That's somatics. Mm -hmm. And it's not like people think like, oh, like running on the street. Yes, it could be somatics, but it also could not be somatics. Mm-hmm. It depends on the person. It depends on the attention. It depends on so many factors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like moving your body in itself is not somatics. Right. It's it's the level of intention you're putting with it or connecting to it. 100%. It's, it's coming from it in an approach where are you allowing your body... Are you allowing it to be a somatic practice? And let's look at it from a photography standpoint. Let's see if I can try to do this. <laughs> somatic photography, somatic photo, photographic practice mm-hmm. would be how can we approach it from what feels good in your body today to photograph? Mm-hmm. Not from what your mind thinks you should be doing, mm-hmm. but what feels good in your body. Okay. If we're closing our eyes for a moment, what do we feel in the body? What are we feeling today? Do we feel heaviness in the chest? Can we capture that on film? Mm-hmm. Could that capturing of that on film be a cathartic process for us? Mm-hmm. That would be somatics in terms of photography, like taking the, allowing the mind to connect with the body, but really bringing it back to the body every time you pop out and get back into that analytical questioning, pressure, all the crap. That's kind of like stopping the process. Right. I believe when we are in flow, yeah, that's a somatic practice. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, how? So taking this, bringing it into a more informal practice, how do you connect with this? Because I, I'm asking pointedly because I follow you. How do you, and I know, uh, well, I don't know, but I see. How do you incorporate this work? I um, think just personally, like casually, like in your life, in your everyday life, outside of the context of like a session. Um, how do you connect with this work? Especially since we just began this conversation with, how friggin' hard it is in the season that we're in right now. I think parenting <laughs> is it in a, in a nutshell. In the day-to-day life of parenting and toddler tantrums, mm-hmm. it's a constant checking back in. It's a constant checking back in. And we get so caught up during the day of like the pour out, the pour out, the pour out, the pour out. But the truth is we're better off as mothers. If you're a father listening, we're better off as parents, as caretakers, when we take moments to check back in. And I have done this work on my son in in a very, you know, like I'm not taking him through like a deep dive back to a memory because obviously he can't 
process that as a four-year-old, but it's like, okay, you're feeling really angry. Well, where are you feeling that in the body? And where does that want to come out? And can we put in a song and move to it? You know, doing a dance party. um, It doesn't have to be specifically movement as we, even that seems formal, you know, but it could be going for a walk and just connecting back with nature and, and allowing the pace of the walk to be decided on how my body feels today. Like not pushing. I think that's really what it's about for me and how it's changed my life, not pushing in everything that that means, not pushing in my business, not pushing in my marriage, not pushing in my parenting, not pushing in any of it and, and allowing things to be and uncover and slow down. A word that I use for the, I did a word for the first six months of 2023 and my word for the second six months is spaciousness. And how can, that's a question I ask myself every single day. How can I create more spaciousness in everything that I'm doing? Because I believe that is like honoring the body somatically. And also in a practical standpoint of informal, informality, whatever we want to say there. Can we be brave enough to not push our feelings down? And just like we talked about in the beginning of this, Parenthood is fucking hard. Can we stop hiding and pretending that it's not? Mm-hmm. And can we, if we want to cry, let's cry. I had a good cry today after a huge meltdown and a tantrum. Something in the past before doing this work that I would not have allowed myself to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and just allowing when emotions come up. There was a study done that all you have to do to process emotions through the body is face the emotion for 90 seconds. That's it. That is it. Can you put a timer on your phone for a minute 30 and feel what you're feeling? Instead of pushing it down and having it there for you. And letting it, it's going to explode out in a different way. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes it's going to come out in a way we don't want. And I mean, I'm not perfect. I yelled at my kids today, you know, (laughs) but I know that. If I wasn't deep within this practice, I would be being deep in this practice has given me so much more courage, so much more forgiveness, so much more ability to show that I'm human, which I think is all we can do as parents, you know, like apologize for, for not getting it right today in that moment, you know? Yeah. And I think there's beauty in that. You know, I was asked this on a while back now. I was on a a podcast and someone had asked me if, what did they ask? Yeah, I forget how they phrased it, but it was like, do you, something around my work or like, what do you want your sons to know about you or what, what would make you most proud to whatever, whatever it was. And I was like, honestly, I hadn't thought about it until that moment. Like my biggest goal is for my children to feel like they know all of me. I don't, Mm. I don't ever want them to like grow up and like find something of mine or like, and be like, oh, there's like a stranger side of my mom that I don't know. Like, and it's not just, it's not, 
it's like both. It's for me and for them. Like I don't, I don't need that type of pressure to feel like I have to hide. And also that's like denying an intimacy in our, you know, relationship and our connection to not just be honest. And then that's not modeling it for them either. So anyway, um, yeah, I just think that this, especially in parenting, when we are exerting so much and we're trying so hard and we're really trying to consciously parent alongside of all of it, it can be really easy to keep on cerebral, keep on like, okay, I messed up. Like, what else can I read? What else can I, but what we're talking about here is really being courageous enough to take the attention off of what's happening, the result of it and go in and go in yes. and go in and go in and go in. This is what and I said. Often, 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 maybe often. someone that's not very familiar with, with taking a pause to go inward. You start with once a day. Mm-hmm. I'm going inward 20 times a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm teaching my kids to do the same, mm-hmm. you know, t- I'm modeling it and teaching them to do the same. And I also think it's worth mentioning when we are the generational breakers of the cycle of yelling, the, we don't spank our kids. I was spanked when we're not spanking. Mm-hmm. There's going to be that residual, like, like you said earlier in this conversation, you know how it was approached with you as a child. You know what not to say. And sometimes those things are going to come out. You can't expect to get it perfect when you're the one that's breaking that generational pattern. You know, I think it's worth recognizing this conscious parenting is a very new new kind of idea, responsive parenting, gentle parenting, whatever, whatever we want to refer to it as. Mm-hmm. And it's okay that you have shit days in it. And shit moments. We're human. <laughs> We're not here to be perfect. And and I think that's another thing, like doing this work has allowed me to accept my imperfections and own them and not be afraid to talk about them and not be afraid to be like, damn, today really sucked. And I just know today, tomorrow is going to be a fresh, clean slate and hopefully It'll be better tomorrow. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny when I um when I think about the idea of the goal it, for photographers and like taking more powerful pictures and more powerful work, work might just not even the unflinching gut feeling I have around that is to forget about the picture and focus on the experience always. And that's what we're, that's another parallel here that we're talking about. It's like, 100%. that's I want, want to be a more X, Y, Z. I want to do this. I want to do that. We have to stop looking over there and just turn inward. And why is that so difficult? Why is it so 90 seconds? Why is it so Because our brains literally believe that we're going to die. Really, I believe that. I literally believes that we are going to die if we if we face the emotion. We would rather be in the analytical mind of like, 
I never want to feel this again. Let's figure out how this never can happen again. But that gets us nowhere, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, and, and truly when you have years of suppressing emotion like that, it has, it is stored up as trauma and you're either going to be stuck in like a trigger loop where you're constantly being triggered over the same things, but with different situations, mm-hmm. but it's like a thread line through, or it's going to be like this trauma that is just waiting to explode out of you and you have no idea when it's going to happen and you're not going to have control over it. Mm-hmm. Mental breakdown, physical illness, like so many things, so many ways that I think that our bodies throw up the red flag before that. And if we don't pay attention, that's when it's going to force us to pay attention. Oh, man. Yeah. I just, um, I'm, I'm going to physical therapy now and it's like, I didn't even do anything cool to have to go like, they're like, Oh, it's a board injury. I'm like, no, it's <laughs> a board injury. But, um, it's funny. So I'm sitting there and she's asking me all these questions and we're working on, I have hip pain and also just postpartum stuff like, uh, uh, pelvic floor. And I also have like crazy, terrible neck shit that gives me migraines and whatever. And then she starts, keeps asking me about my breath and my breathing. And I'm like, I am one of those people that will, one, I have, I have pretty gnarly anxiety sometimes. And in my experience, anytime I'm told to focus on my breath, it makes it worse for me, like drawing attention to. So I think that for a long time, I was like, okay, doing the thing that everyone tells me to do to turn inward and pay more attention is actually making it worse. So like, I feel like a, a dog that's getting in trouble, like in my own body. I feel like sometimes I'm a dog that's getting in trouble and you're calling it. And it's like looking away over its shoulder. It's like, no, I won't look at it. I won't look at it. No. <laughs> what, what do you say to someone that's, um, that's kind of like that, that someone that is like, okay, I hear you. I hear that. I have a lot of, I probably have a lot of shit stored up. Um, <laughs> like, it's so hard and comfortable. Like, how do you begin to broach that relationship with yourself um, to be able to start with? I think you have to find what I think you have to try a lot of different things. Mm. If breath work is something that gives you more anxiety, that's not the key for you. Right. Right. If yoga is something that makes you feel more in touch with your body, maybe that's what you try. If journaling is good for you, if you going out in nature with your camera for 30 minutes and taking shots makes you feel more in tune with your body, then that's what it is. But it could also be just like approaching it from a place. I believe in the power of meditation. There are so many freaking studies done, done with meditation. And I know a lot of people have adverse reaction to meditation. They're like, it makes their skin want to crawl. Then I say, start small. Just start really small and find someone. There's a million of people on YouTube that are doing, that are doing free meditations. (laughs) I have meditation bundle on my website somewhere in one of the links. Um, But there's a million people find someone you're comfortable with and you like their voice and it's not grating to you and just start small because maybe it's just the approach of like you turning inward. You can't focus on your breath, but maybe it would feel really expansive for you to focus on like, how your bones are really heavy and your muscles are really soft. And that could bring you into a somatic place, like coming at it from a different lens and finding what works for you. That's not going to trigger more panic, more anxiety about feeling like you're doing it wrong. And also knowing you can't do it wrong. You're never going to do it wrong. 
because it's your body and your experience. Mm-hmm. And I believe if, if that feels suffocating to you, that that's not your path to liberation. Right. No. Right. It's funny the way, even the way you, you are, when you're talking, you, it, you're listening, so you can't hear, see her, but um, you're moving your hands and it's like, it, it's like you're, dancing your way through it like okay and that one i never realized how much i moved my hands when i talk until i did podcast episodes and i like punched the microphone (laughs) (laughs) well i mean i'm italian so i have zero italian in me (laughs) zero zero Zero. (laughs) then it's a hundred percent dancer in you Um, yeah (laughs) yeah no, yeah, it's really true. It's really, 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 really true. I just think it's so funny how our brains just like shut off. Like, because I, as I'm listening to you, I'm like, it's like, oh, I mean, I'm hearing this for the first time. And then I switch my lens midway and I'm like, this is exactly like if I'm thinking about it in photographic practice terms. Yeah, this is exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> and I will say, I believe that when we are in our analytical minds, That's where stress lives. That's where anxiety lives. The analytical mind wants to make the list, wants to write it all out, wants to figure out the process. And when we're tuning into the body, the analytical mind takes a seat. They have a break. Mm -hmm. It's time for the body to speak, you know, and it, it takes practice to allow that to happen and also say to the analytical mind, I love you. I honor what you're trying to do because they're all trying to keep us safe. All different parts of us are trying to keep us safe. But right now is not your time to shine. Like take a breast. Take a rest. <laughs> you can do that your numbers in a little bit. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So let's 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 make it real. You wake up in the morning. What's the movement practice look like once you're able to find space and time for yourself? On a good day. (laughs) I mean, I do it every single day. But right now I'm super into yoga, super into yoga. Um, I go through periods of time of what I want to do. For a really long time, I was doing just improvisational dance. So what that would look like is I'm meditating first, no matter what I'm doing. I'm sitting down and doing at least a 10 minute meditation where I'm like connecting in with my body, in with my breath, feeling very grounded, silencing the analytical mind, getting into the body. And then I'm, I'm basically asking myself in this season, what feels good to me. And right now it feels really good to me to get on my yoga mat mm-hmm. and move and just, you know, it's like that heavy. I love that, that analogy. That's something I use a lot, like that heavy bone and that soft muscle. Like I want to feel that every day grounded into the earth, but still flexible enough to ebb and flow with what's coming at me in the day. So 10 minutes meditation, I'm doing 20 minutes usually of yoga and I'm doing 10 minutes of of a journaling exercise of like how I'm feeling that day. Do I need to process anything? If I'm having a day where I really need to get deeper in, then this, this is going to be me like, okay, what am I feeling? Where am I feeling it? And allowing myself to sit with it for those 90 seconds and feel it, not push it down, but let it feel it in its entirety. So today that looks like, wow, 
We had a really tough 30 minutes with my four-year-old of tantruming over licorice. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous now, but there was kicking, there was screaming, nothing was working. He locked me in his room. I had to break the door down to get out because obviously I can't have them like alone. <laughs> <laughs> very, very much like very heated, you know? I ended up putting him in his room, told him like 10 minutes, try to close your eyes. He ended up falling asleep. Thank God. I go into my room (laughs) and I immediately know I have to release emotion. And I just started crying. And it came, sometimes we have to find it in the body. Sometimes it just wants to come out and we have to let it come out. Mm -hmm. But for other, other days where it's like, I'm feeling anxious in my chest. Okay. What does that feel like? Can I access that? Can I, if I'm visual, what does it look like? If I'm catastatic, how does it feel in the body? If I'm like super auditory, what does it sound like? You know, connecting with how you can connect it into your body is key because not everyone is super visual. Some people are very like sense oriented. What does it taste like? What does it smell like? Like whatever connects for you to connect it into the body and then taking those 90 seconds to let it be witnessed. Because that's essentially all it wants. It wants to be witnessed. And the more we stuff it down, the more it's just going to build up into other areas. No. It wants to be witnessed. That's so funny. I've never heard it said like that before. I've heard be with it, feel it. It wants to be witnessed. Of course, that's all anyone ever wants. And a lot of times it's tied to something through doing this work. Nine out of 10 times, it's tied to something in childhood. Nine out of 10 times. Because the brain does not even fully develop to an adult brain of process, receptory, um, storing memory until 24. So all of that time, that's the adolescence, the infant, the middle, um, middle school child brain. We store trauma and we can even look at something and remember it completely differently than what it actually truly was. Right. Of course. Yeah. And then it's coming up in parenting. That's why I think parenting is so fucking hard because it pushes you when you're choosing the path of being a conscious caregiver, responsive parenting, gentle parenting. We're not hitting. We're trying not our best not to yell. (laughs) (laughs) trying our best not to yell and even even sometimes I feel like I'm yelling and I'm like I think I just had a stern voice (laughs) but you know we're trying not to belittle the feelings you know even in those moments it's it's just so important for us to come back to our bodies to our sensations and leading by example I completely lost my train of thought it's something else I was going to say but I lost it Ah, it'll come back. It'll come back. What is go- what is current for you right now? What is the if if someone wants to know more about how they could be in your world? What is what is the work that you're doing? Instagram is my favorite place to be. Although I only post weekly because this summer I have taken the pressure off. I've taken the pressure off completely of the rules and the having and like what is consistent to me. You know, and allowing myself to really stand in that and really finding spaciousness because I don't know if you ever feel this. I'm sure you feel this because you're an artist on social media can feel really, really daunting. Mm. 
and stifling to creativity. And I don't like that. Like, I don't like to feel that whatsoever. It makes me just not even want to create anything if I feel that way. But follow me on Instagram. Join my mailing list. I give out, I send out an email once a month. I am asked to facilitate at live events throughout the United States. Um, So the email list would be the best way to do that. I do one-on-one sessions virtually and in person. And then a local studio near me, like towards Philadelphia area, has asked me to do a residency. And we're going to be doing like a chakra healing somatic movement workshop where every month it's a different chakra. Which is so wonderful for someone that's like, I don't know where to start. Because you're literally going to be just hitting every part of the body doing it that way. So cool. Is that in then that's in-person classes or? That's in person. And I was going to talk with her to see if we could record it and offer it virtual for people. Because I know there's a lot of people need this work. (laughs) And that's, that's part of why I really wanted to change the name and make it more accessible and more less intimidating to people. Um, Because the truth is everyone, I consider everyone a dancer, whether you're a trained dancer or not, but it's about what someone views themselves as. I think everyone can agree that we're all movers because we have to move through our lives, (laughs) whether, whether we move big and dramatic, or we're just moving through our lives in, in the way that we do. We're all movers and we are created to move and process healing in that way. And I think coming, being able to gift this to people is literally what my mission is in life. Um, What you just said makes me want to read this quote that I just found on Instagram. Um, And I saved it because I was like, oh my God, it's so good. Um, Because I believe everyone's a photographer as well. Shit. Uh, Let's see if I can get it up. It really felt so freaking poignant. Oh, here we go. That's why Henry Miller says, every day we slaughter our finest impulses. That is why we get a heartache when we read those lines written by the hand of a master and recognize them as our own, as the tender shoots, which we stifle because we lack the faith to believe in our own powers, our own criterion of truth and beauty. Every man, when he gets quiet or woman, when he becomes desperately when he becomes desperately honest with himself is capable of uttering profound truths. We all derive from the same source. There is no mystery about the origin of things. We are all part of creation, all Kings, all poets, all musicians. We have only to open up only to discover what is already there. Um, Honoring that impulse in dance and in photography and in life, in everything. That's what it's about. It's not about what you do. It's not about how well, quote unquote, you do it. It's about how connected you are to your own distinct impulses. That, that really, that is what helps release and express and expand. And And it's really coming back to, you know, we live in a time where it's very hard to connect back to self because we have so much distraction, constant social media, our phones, we can literally go watch how many hours of movies like, right on our screen. You know, there's a million ways that we can distract ourselves, mm-hmm. but that's all that it's doing is distracting ourselves and that external chatter to be able to shut that off and, and look internal 
all the answers are there. Like when I'm guiding someone through a healing session, I'm not doing the healing. Mm. I'm guiding them back to themselves. We have that power. We are the only ones that have that power. And when we realize that, yeah, you know, we're unstoppable. I literally got chills saying that because so many people think invest in the in another coach, mm-hmm. buy the next program, do and all these things have their value and service. But if it's not through the filter of your own distinct voice, what did you specifically say? The impulses of your impulses, you're created to do, you're created on this earth to do something different than I'm created to do. We might have thread lines that go through and we're obviously, we meet in this place and we, our souls have wanted to meet for a reason, but I'm not here to do your purpose and you're not here to do mine. And I think when people really own that, fully yeah that's the magic yeah but it's also like the it's the most and the least sexy thing ever no it's so not sexy it's like just please just tell me just tell me it's like everyone wants to be told what to do oh i mean i i remember the oh you know well if you're if you weren't so controlling it's like no for the love of goodness i just want to be able to let go of a task I just want you to do it or plan dinner or do it. I do. I just want to let it go. But really it's only ever, we can only be the ones to do it, to let it go. We can only do it inside. It's an inside job. And 100%. I, I a hundred percent agree and align with what you said too, is that I, even when I'm doing my coaching, mentoring, whatever it is with photography, I 1000% feel like I am only ever helping support and guide you back into yourself through whatever's coming up and then redirect and then redirect and then redirect. I think when we look back in our lives and all the times that we felt the most proud, the most creative, the most like connected to source, it's always going to be when we were tapped in and tuned in. Mm -hmm. It's never going to be when we were like this performative external focus, mm-hmm. even in our work, you know, like when I think about creating my thesis back to the thesis, <laughs> it was me having to shut out everyone else's opinions and come back to what I wanted to speak. Mm-hmm. And like, that is when the, the most beautiful, poignant, powerful work is created. Mm-hmm. One trillion percent. One trillion percent. Oh my gosh. This has been, I mean, I could talk to you forever. This has been, I, I feel like I have my, I'm in my basement with my blanket on. I'm like, I feel like we're at a sleepover. Like we just need, I know it's great. Oh my gosh. Um, this has just been incredible. I, I so wish that I lived locally. I would do a million in person with you. Oh my to just be able to vent about boys. Oh, and the gross things that they do. <laughs> yeah, we could have them be crazy together. And talk about art. And talk about art. Um, I'm gonna put all of all of your links in the show notes. Um, is there anything else that you want to call out that's happening um coming I'm up? I'm in the process of writing the book and I'm gonna put it out there to keep myself accountable to that. Yep. I'm publishing it before 2024, and it is called the Motherhood Dance. And it's all about surrendering to motherhood and how 
we have the choice and ability to take ownership of how we want to parent. Mm. And you're living the book right now. Ooh, I got a lot of <laughs> I got a lot of material. <laughs> <laughs> That's all they're trying to do. The boys just ha- trying to help you write your book. Right? <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for your time and your spirit and your words and your genius. This has been Thank you so much for having me. The feelings are 100% mutual. When you asked me to be on, I was like just so excited that we could actually just talk about all of it because okay. it is all art. It is all creating. It is all beautiful. It is all painful and the dichotomy of everything is, is the thread line through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even just speaking it, just saying it out loud, there's not having a fix. It's just, it lets the air out. You know, that's so funny. And we are rapping. I swear we're rapping. Uh, in the beginning, I felt, and I almost called it out. And then I forgot because I was like so present and in the conversation. And I was like, gosh, it's so funny how that feeling of, oh, but I'm not complaining. It's also, or like whenever you're trying to really vent, then you're like, I love my kids to death. But it's like the need to qualify. The need to qualify just. Of course we love it. them. The need be bringing it to the table like that's an under and there's so often times when I when I will be talking about how hard this is and I have people message me and they're usually from generations much older than us will say like oh but you're gonna miss this time like that is not helpful yes tell me that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and also allow me to voice that it's okay that I don't love all parts of it yeah yeah yeah. yeah. I'm a human being. Yeah. 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 All for normalizing that and one conversation at a time. 100%. And forever who, if whoever needed to hear this, mama, you're doing a damn good job. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Enough. <laughs> Hell yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode and want to get in on actual conversations with me, join the Help Me See podcast private Facebook group. Every Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern time, I'll be hopping on live for Q&A on the latest episode and for free consulting if you need a bit of help thinking about ways to save your memories. Did you get something out of this episode? I really, really, really hope you did. And I would love to hear from you. I'm on a mission to empower you to feel peace knowing that you are not missing your life. One of the best ways that you can support me is leaving a review. And honestly, I'd rather hear about the memory you saved because of this podcast rather than any kind of accolade. Tell me how this podcast has impacted you. And one, I'll probably cry. (laughs) And two, I'd love to give you a shout out on the show. Take a minute and head out to the link in the bio to write a review now on the podcast.